And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 36 of The Roundtable uh, I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough. Mark Craig is on assignment. Uh, Andy, how are you doing? How was your holiday season? Uh, tell me every resolution in detail. Have you stuck with them? What gifts did you get? How are you doing? Uh, good. <laughs> Sorry, I, what enough, were the other questions? Yeah, know. no, I went to Spain for a week. That was nice. Uh, wow. I ate too much, uh, I ate too much uh, salt. So I've been just sort of drinking water and flushing all the salt out of my system for the past uh, couple days. Uh, you know, getting back in the swing of things. Um, how many uh, Korea jerseys did you get for your various brood? Well, this past you holiday know, season. I'm trying to remember what we were talking about the last time we potted. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about uh, the fit between uh, the San Francisco Giants and Carlos Correa. Great fit. Great fit. Just tremendous fit. That is uh, assuming that there's nothing weird when you are holding (laughs) his x-rays up to a light in a white lab coat, which apparently is kind of what happened. Look, we talked about this before we went on. uh, You know, it's the Correa stuff. Should we hit on the Correa stuff? How played out is it? I feel like this is like the moon landing of off-season transactions. <laughs> and you're not going to go on a podcast in, in 68 and be like, uh, listen, we landed on the moon a couple weeks ago, but I really I want to talk about the state of labor in America. Like, no, you, you're still going to be like, wow, the moon. And this is that because it was such a mess. And I had, boy, boy, my takes were hot. My takes were spicy. You had a great uh, column, you know, sort of the day that he signed with the Mets. Like, like worst offseason ever. Like, unmitigated disaster. Spicy, spicy, spicy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Since then, the Mets wow. pausing has given the Giants some of their credibility back. I would go as far to say as a lot of their credibility back. I'm not uh, breaking scoops on here. I'm not a journalist. I'm a columnist, which is a, a, a very cushy job, a much better job. But I've heard from people outside the organization, people that I trust, that Correa's ankle is a serious problem, that it is something that happened. The official party line is actually correct. It's an injury that happened in his minor league days. What happens to repair that issue is deteriorating. 
and not in a great way and not in a 13-year kind of way. So the Giants were vindicated. That doesn't mean it wasn't a disaster of an offseason. I'll stick by that. Right, right, right. It was a <laughs> right. huge disaster of an offseason. But I don't know. It's, it's a wild story, and we'll never see anything like it again, I don't think. So do you feel like the Giants made the right decision to allow Correa to walk away? What I think is that they saw this, still liked the idea of Carlos Correa on their team for the next X years, five years, six years, whatever. Went back to Scott Boris, uh, who is very good at his job. Uh, listen, we're pro labor podcast, and we just like that uh, Scott Boris gets the most money for his clients, good at his job. But I think <laughs> they thought that they would have a bigger window to just sort of hash this out, figure it out, kind of go, hey, we're interested, but I don't think 13 years is, is going to work anymore. Scott Boris, because he's good at his job, says, I think I can take this to Steve Cohen, who will go to the press and you know beat his chest and say, we got this guy because I'm a, a big badass. And that's exactly what happened. And now the Mets, I'm not saying they're stuck because I think they are where the Giants were, where they want Correa and they want him in the near term and they want him maybe for the short long term. But they don't want him for 12 years, 13 years anymore. But now they feel like they have leverage against themselves. Yeah. So as of as of this recording, which is uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, Correa has still not officially signed with the Mets, even though his 12-year 315 agreement, I believe, hasn't, you know, it hasn't dissolved, right? Their doctors flagged a, an issue which is believed to be similar to what the Giants flagged. We're kind of dealing in weird HIPAA territory. And as you said, you know, he had a procedure in the minors on uh, his fibula, I believe it was. Um, but it turned out the damage was more to his ankle than to his knee. Dan Hayes, our marvelous Twins writer, has, uh, you know, written at the road at the time and has written about it subsequently how there was a hard slide or a slide at second base in which Correa said afterwards he felt the plate vibrating. That is kind of the uh, you know, smoking guns a bit strong, but that's like like an evidence of a play that happened where he was holding his leg, right? And he talked about afterwards. And so, you know, we're, we're all kind of grasping at straws here because Correa obviously has not discussed this publicly. A lot of medical stuff is locked behind HIPAA laws. But there are a couple things that have happened that complicate things. Is One is Steve Cohen uh, has talked about the contract on the record to the New York Post, uh, who broke the deal. Scott Boris has talked about it on the record. Um, you know, he talked about it to us. He talked about it in the San Francisco Chronicle, you know, um, kind of giving the TikTok of how the deal came together. And then Correa took the physical and the Mets were like, hey, uh, turns out San Francisco's doctors you know, didn't go to the Hollywood Upstairs Medical College. And so, yeah, like, if you're the Mets, you probably still want Carlos Correa. You just want the contract. I mean, he like, w the, the issue is what people are saying. The issue with this theoretical problem is when is it going to become a problem, right? Like, when is it going to actually impact his play, is that going to be in year two? Is that going to be in year nine? You know, what is it actually going to mean, right? Like, like ankles aren't a thing that people talk about a lot with baseball players, right? Like, it's not like a rotator cuff or, you know, whatever, Tommy John. Like, you don't hear a lot of discussion about players dealing with ankle issues. You're not right? a member of ankle Twitter? 
Is, is that like injury expert or the pain guy? So if you're the Mets, you probably still want Carlos Correa. And your fans probably still want Carlos Correa because Carlos Correa is currently healthy. Like he's been a healthy player for the past couple years, but there is clearly something looming down the line. I'm not exactly sure what Correa's other move is here because it would be pretty tough to take him back to the market because he's had issues with two physicals. He already took a pillow contract last year in his first Ferrand off, you know, into free agency. Remember, like, you know, he had a chance to sign the decade long deal last year. He turned down the 10 to 75 from Detroit, which is perfectly fine. You know, he, he would have he bet on himself and would have won if he passed the physical. So like, if you're Correa, you want this, you played well enough to do this. You're a superstar. Like he's one of the best players in the sport. But the fact that I believe the physical was like, almost 10 days ago and there's holidays and stuff in between, but like they still haven't redone it. It lets you know how complicated it is. When you talk about Correa as this exceptional player, which he is this perennial all-star, which he is perennial MVP candidate, he is, but he's a very niche kind of one of those players, because if you're looking at raw offensive stats, uh, never been a 30 homer hitter, his adjusted OPS for his career is the same as uh, Jesse Winker's. You know what I mean? He's a very good hitter. He's a smart hitter, a cagey hitter, but he's not going to carry you as a DH. He's not going to, if he has to be a first baseman one day, you're going to be like, wow, we woke up and we have like Sean Casey. He's not a superstar if he doesn't give you premium defensive value. And that was always the bargain. We have this player who hits great and who is a defensive uh, wunderkind. And if we get that for eight years, that's just a crazy player to have on your roster. That is so good to have on your roster. And then we'll deal with the last five after that. But if you have that for three years, if you have that for four or five years, it changes the calculus. And I think the Giants were willing to take a risk. We're willing to go, you know what? We're not going to worry about the back end because we won't be here. The oceans are going to rise up, whatever. Right, right. who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but once, it, once that moves to... Okay, we might still be in charge when this goes sour in a big way. I don't blame them for trying to renegotiate. I don't blame the Mets for saying this is our chance. The Giants are a bunch of weenies and then going, "Oh, no, no, no. They were they were correct." It's a mess. It's uh, wow, it's a mess. The Mets like have like they're in a better position than the Giants were per se because the issue with the Giants happened, Correa could go back to the market. And even if there was only one team, right, it was the Mets who, you know, Steve Cohen has all this money. He can throw it around, right? The Twins weren't really going to re-engage. The Dodgers are, you know, hey, can I interest you in a short-term offer and playing in Los Angeles? You know, two years, 72 million. What do you think? You know, but now, like, like who's going to jump up and say, okay, we got, we'll do it for 280. You know, like 10 years, 280. Who's going to do that? There's not a team because they want to look at the medicals. So, like, yeah, I, I I, don't know. I will push back a little. Like, what I would like to know is so – and there's no – I don't think there's a way of knowing this. So is, is the, the, the ankle in some form, the leg goes, right? Like, is he a first baseman? Is he a third baseman? Why can't he play third base? It seems like there's a spectrum. And if he's a third baseman, he's still valuable with what he does. You need uh, less range at third base. You, uh, uh, What his 
his value with his uh, strong arm, with his his sure hands, his uh, general aptitude, those are all going to help him at third base. As is, you could see that just be a perfect spot for him 10 years down the road. But I think there's a spectrum of what his ankle, based on how I've heard it described to me, you know, there was language used that made me go, what? And maybe third base, he wouldn't even have the range for third base. And if you don't have the range for third base, ah, that's a different player. And again, maybe this doesn't happen until he's 43 and he's not even playing baseball. But can you take that 13, 12-year, quarter of a billion, third of a billion kind of chance? I don't know if you can. So he's like a 40-win player in his career already by baseball reference. He has a 140 OPS plus last year, which is the career average of Freddie Freeman. He is a superstar, like superstar. <laughs> so you're pushing back on my Jesse Winker? He's a better player than Juan Soto. Ooh. Like, yes. I mean, Soto doesn't play the premium position. I will take, uh, what I'm thinking about Soto going forward for the next it's just Soto's what, 16 years old? Like that's where like I'm thinking of Soto, you know, he's he's got the the crazy inverted walk rate and in the 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 eye, the crazy eye. Uh I don't know. That that's an interesting comparison, but yeah, I, I will defer to the idea that Correa is a super duper star. So that's why if I'm if I am the Mets, I obviously want to build protections, but I want to I want Carlos Correa on my baseball team. And they should. And they should. They and should. I and it will get done. I will kind of pose this hypothetical though. Would it be wackier, as wacky, or less wacky if you woke up tomorrow and the headline was, the Giants are in agreement with Correa on a (laughs) five-year, $200 million contract? (laughs) Would that be wacky, as wacky, more wacky, less wacky than the Mets news that you woke up to uh, that one day? The Dodgers at the five two hundred. If the Dodgers weren't in, uh, you know what they're describing as luxury tax, you know, prison because of Trevor Bauer coming back, like then yeah, maybe that would actually be somewhat believable. The Giants at five for two hundred, it feels pretty unbelievable. Yeah, but that was a fun. <laughs> so my cat wakes me up very early in the morning, and uh, you know, so I woke up at like five that day or something, and uh, you know, I just. <laughs> well, Ken doesn't listen to this, so it's all right. Uh, so, so, uh, so I woke up at like. F- no, I won't tell that story. <laughs> just get, just know that I get. I woke up Ken Rosenthal with the news, uh, and so for once in my life, I broke news to Ken Rosenthal because he went to sleep late because he was working on something else. He's so good at his job. Um, but anyway, I woke up at about five, and I was just like kind of on Twitter, and I saw Eric Steven had you know. One of his classic Eric Steven things, like talk about a shortstop, and I was like, "What's Eric? What's Eric up to now?" And then I kind of scrolled through, and I saw John Heyman had broken the story, and I was just like, "Oh my god, what a morning! What a day this is going to be!" And luckily, it was like people were still awake on the West Coast, so I was able to get a little bit of work done, you know, like confirming the deal and everything. But it was a very strange, you know. So shout out to my cat Harry for helping the Athletic get us through that. There's a family friend who uh, used to work with my wife, and he just graduated high school, and he's incredibly into baseball, just super into baseball, and he has my phone number, and he will text me uh, on a fairly regular basis uh, to just say, hey, what's up with the Giants? What's what's this? What's your opinion on this? Uh, and, you know, I'll respond. It's, it's fun. It's, I love talking ball. 
And he texted me right before I put the phone down for the night. Just, hey, is that Heyman treat? Is that Heyman tweet real? <laughs> and like, what? What the range of possibilities? The range of possibilities that that could uh, branch into. And it, it's almost like uh, you would have to have this monastic discipline to go to bed after that. And so I go, right, okay, that's tough. Okay, yeah. let me look. At that point, and people don't believe me, but at that point, I'm just laughing. That's like, that's that's one of the funniest nights on Twitter I can remember. Just scrolling and going, oh, maybe that's how I know that I'm not like a fan fan anymore. That I, I just, my brain's broken into Writerville because it was funny. <laughs> I was just like, this is so it's much insane. content. Yeah, this crazy. is so much content. And like, yeah, and I was doing this with subscriptions. Like, I would, man, great content, great content. <laughs> So where does this leave the Giants? Uh, mediocre. And I guess right. they were going to be mediocre anyway, but like a less aggressive mediocre. The kind of mediocre that can get into 90 wins, 91 wins with Kyle Harrison breaking out or David VR just hitting the snot out of the ball. So, something happens. You've got Carlos Correa. You're in a better spot. Wow, look at this. That's how it works. You get better players, and then all of a sudden you look around. It's like, well, good thing we have these better players. But I think they're aggressively mediocre, uh, watchable. But it's a sort. It goes from being like, "Hey, we got Carlos Correa. You know who would look good next to him at third base is Manny Machado." And now it's just like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, you know, we still got Mitch Haniger." And that's the thing is that I like a lot of their moves, and people will call me a homer. But listen, you come away with Mitch Haniger and uh, Michael Conforto, Ross Stripling, Shalmaniya. Taylor Rogers. That's a that's a lot of activity. It's good. It's good. It's it's improving your fifteen to twenty on the roster. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's pushing everyone down. It's taking risks, but the risks have a, a legitimately high ceiling. Hanager just hit thirty homers. Conforto was just one of the best hitters in the National League. So it, I like the moves, but you can't really. You have to kind of whisper that. It's like a, you know, I don't want to speak out of school, but. I think the Giants actually had kind of a decent offseason. Like, <laughs> not compared to like where you were a month ago when it's like, Judge, and then Correa. Right. Be like, yeah, they had a better offseason than the Yankees who got uh, Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah, not quite that. But they had a better offseason than the Dodgers. Um, you know, they had... Uh, Whom uh, amongst us? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Xander Bogarts is a fine player, so I'm not going to say they had a better offseason than the Padres. Uh, but they did some very good things relative to where they were, and that's fine. Still aggressively mediocre. I wish you the best of luck. It's, you know, I, as long as there's something to watch. I felt like last year there just wasn't, like, a, that narrative, you know. And I guess I was spoiled after 107 wins, but there wasn't that, oh, this prospect is just carrying the team right now. Right. Or, or this guy's having a bust-out season. It was just a whole lot of, like, McDonald's hamburgers that were sitting in the car for a half an hour. Not an hour, like a half an hour. Half and an you're hour. just, you're chewing it, and it's like, all right, all the MSG is still there, and, and the chemicals are still hitting the receptors the same way, but it's this isn't very good. I don't want this. What is wrong with your brain? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Had you written that, or did you just come up with that? Just came up with it. I don't know. It just seems like something that... <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Don't you, don't you ever have a McDonald's hamburger that just you forgot to eat and you found under the seat? <laughs> I've never forgotten to eat a fast food item and i don't say that as someone who like 
I know how to eat fast food. Like, you know fast. what I mean? Like, like, yeah. I, I eat while driving, buddy. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I just, my, I, I said McDonald's hamburger because we just went on a little vacation. I don't go to to Spain because I'm not a senior. I'm not an athletic senior writer. Um, we we, we went just up the coast. Um, but it, uh. my youngest daughter, she only likes McDonald's to an extent. She she likes In and Out, but when you're on the road, In and Out isn't always a great possibility because you don't get out the out part is a little bit of a, a myth but mcdonald's that's all she likes and so i eat way more mcdonald's on road trips than i ever want to i i cannot stand it so that's why it's on my brain i'm uh yeah so looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paolo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You want to do some zips? 
or whatever Fangraph depth charts. So we <laughs> we're going to trans- we an exercise plan to make up for Mark's absence. Yeah, no, uh, Mark uh, famously not the glue. He would have contributed some tangents in such, but without him, we're we're out of material. What are we going to do? Talk about Korea for another half hour? I think we could, but. I would prefer to, to kind of quiz you because on Fangraphs, they have depth charts, all right? And they're arranged p- by position for every team and they go through every position and they tell you what the projected war is right now based on the current roster, based on their projected playing time. So it's imperfect and they acknowledge it as such, but as a tool right now to kind of just poke around and see what the nerd stats are saying about this team's strengths and this team's weaknesses and where this team ranks, it's fascinating to me. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to quiz you with a few just, hey, who has the blank? And I'm going to start with, where are the Dodgers? You rank all the teams by projected war on their projected depth chart. Where are the Dodgers right now out of all 30 MLB teams? I'm going to say number two. They are eighth. They are eighth. eighth. Wow. Okay. That That isn't more in line with... Uh, how I see them, but I was uh, I was sort of projecting upwards. Yeah, based on their you know their famous uh, uh, you know whatever yeah yeah, yeah. depth yeah all that stuff yeah, yeah. so they are Eighth. just okay. just about the Cardinals and Guardians and uh, they're not too far from the Fair- the the Phillies and Mariners the team right above them that's seventh um, the Astros which also surprises me. And again, these are imperfect. These are based on things that it's based on guys in the the 20 to 26 spots in the roster where the Astros are looking at that and they know their guys better than Zips does. I get that. It's still interesting. It's still interesting to me. So what are the top three teams? The top three teams, uh, I would say, I I don't know in what particular order, but I'll say the Yankees, Hmm. the Mets, and... uh, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. Ooh, that's close. The Braves are fourth. It's Yankees, Mets, and Padres. And the Mets Padres, and Padres okay. are tied. Yeah, Padres, right. But when you're talking about war, especially for 30 players, 35 players, if you're going through the whole depth chart, the Yankees are 53, and then there's a range to 52, uh, or I'm sorry, 52.4 with the Padres. So it's basically a three-way tie, Yankees, Mets, Padres. I think that tracks. I would put the Braves up there. Uh, it goes Yankees, Mets, Padres, Braves, Rays, Blue Jays, Astros, Dodgers, Cardinals, Guardians. That's the top 10 teams in baseball. Kind of tracks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about right. That's about right. And it gets and it gets back to a thing that we've talked about. I feel like we talk – that comes up pretty often when we talk about the Yankees on this show. And it's why the Yankees like, – like, if you look at the Yankees offseason, right, like it's – it's bringing back Judge, which was a necessity, and the big addition is Carlos Rodon, which makes a a strength their pitching staff stronger. They haven't solved the fundamental problem with their lineup: the the you know the the age, the injury risk, the right handedness, the swing and miss, all that stuff. Because if you look at it on pit, like if you put all this stuff in, you project it out, they still will be one of the best teams in baseball with a chance to win the World Series, as they have been each of the past however many years, you know, in this iteration of team building. So, like, this is why they keep doing it. They know they're going to be good. This works. It's just a question of will they be able to beat Houston or whomever it is, Tampa Bay, you know, whoever it is that they run into in October. Can a good, smart team plan for the Yankees? Like, are they a good team when they get – 
their healthy slate of Tigers and A's, and it, can they be planned for? Like, I think that's the big, they're going to be a great team. Can they be planned for? I'm not saying they can be. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, I'm smarter than the Yankees. I'm just saying that's sort of the delineation that separates a great team from a, a championship team, perhaps. Yeah, and this is one of the things that, like, when you're adding up the war, what it doesn't get into is things like... Heart. Like heart. <laughs> yeah, heart. Hustle. Right, that's what it was. Right, it's the lack of heart. <laughs> I think that's what... I'm going to I'm gonna go write that. Uh, <laughs> McCullough, Yankees lack heart, January 5th. Everyone's like, why? What? <laughs> no, but, like, when, you, when you're adding up the war, what it doesn't get into is, like, the contact profile of the hitters, you know? So, like, not all three-win, four-win players are made the same, uh, especially like in October. Like in October, a contact-based player might have a little bit more value than a guy with more swing and miss in his profile. So, um, you know, so like a player, you know, like uh, Jose Abreu, uh, you know, who's going to hit for maybe 50 more points of average than someone like Anthony Rizzo might be a little more valuable, even if Rizzo maybe makes up for that in power and walks and all that sort of stuff. So whatever. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, we let's you can keep the quiz going. I have an overall thought about next season, but uh, we, let's let's keep let's quiz it. Let's quiz it out, man. So would you say that uh, if you're a contact based team in the postseason, that you're better equipped to handle the kitchen sink of relievers coming at you throwing 99 uh, with a wicked slider? That's kind of your take on that, Grant. Let me tell you a story about a group of scrappy players. They came together in Surprise, Arizona. In the spring of 2014, they had names like Hosmer, Mustakas, mm. Gordon, mm. Escobar. Mm. Let me see if I remember uh, this. Billy Butler. What team was this? Eric Kratz. What team was this? What was that? Was uh, who's that one guy? Anyway, yeah, the Royals. Yes, is the answer. Got it. I moved yes. the bell once you. Now, said, where is the bell? It's right. Should have got. Should have got you one for Christmas. Yeah. No, I got one. Can you can't hear it. Oh no, I can't. Gosh, why doesn't that come across on the, on the, on the uh, microphone? Man, look at that! Like I, I honestly ordered one from Amazon, and like, uh, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's that's pr- good. I'm glad we have one. I think Brian, uh, producer Brian, says that it comes across on my recording on the QuickTime. So. Oh well, that's all that matters. Does then. Zoom have a bell filter? I thought this was about <laughs> free speech. Um, <laughs> all right, so it's like Twitter space. Yeah, man. Uh, all right, so the war, uh, worst team in baseball. What's your pick? This one surprised me just a little. I mean, I would – the Reds? Reds are second worst. I thought it would be the Nationals or the Athletics. Uh, it's the Rockies. Rockies or oh. are last uh, yeah. with the cement shoes. And I get it, but it still surprised me. And I don't want to – listen, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I don't want to get hyperbolic, but I'm not sure what the Rockies are doing overall. The Rockies strike me as the team furthest away from winning a World Series perpetually. I'm a Rockiesologist, an amateur Rockiesologist. You know, I've written yeah. uh, baseball prospectus essays on them. And what strikes me about, and I've mentioned this before, but I'm just going to mention it before we move on to another position or something. Uh, they have the hardest job in baseball because they have to figure out how altitude works and how baseball works. And most teams can't figure out how baseball works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like having, it's like a double major and it's, and they are like a, you know a B minus student maybe maybe a C plus student and they're trying to do uh, particle physics and uh, uh, music you know what I mean it's just it it doesn't work let's see best starting pitching staff best rotation you'll probably get number one number two a little bit of a surprise for me yeah I mean number one for me who it 
<laughs> I'm going to say this is dumb. Who I think it actually is, is the Astros. But I think on the war, it's probably the Yankees. It is the Yankees. Yankees have it. It's a fairly comfortable lead. Uh, number two, this is the one that uh, the think outside the box. Number two. I think the Braves are pretty good. I don't know. Braves are good. They rank fourth. But the number two here is going to be those wacky Rangers. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Again, that that's, that's presuming that you're going to get more than six innings out of Jacob Bagram. It's going to assume that you're going to get uh, good stuff out of John Gray, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew oh, Heaney. Like, it's... The, yeah, compu- yeah, the computers <laughs> love it as of right now. Yeah. I like Nathan Eovaldi. I like Nathan Eovaldi. I think he kind of got owned by the qualifying offer. I think he's better than the contract he got. So I give credit to the Rangers for, you know, bringing him in. DeGrom, obviously, everyone believes him to be the best in the sport when he's healthy. But, the, you know, the caveat is pretty big. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think you'd have to have a lot of things go right. I mean, Andrew Heaney had a really nice season last year, but he also threw 70 innings. So, like, that's, you know. Yeah, it's fascinating because I, I do, if I were a Rangers fan, a Rangers partisan, I would be encouraged by this because I remember before 2021, one of the things, you know, Saris wrote about, uh, I, uh, Mike uh, Petrello wrote about, is that the Giants had like this surprising amount of depth in the rotation. And I wrote an article in January of 2021 that said, man, if this rotation pans out, this is a sneaky good team. And they've built something here. And so I want to be that guy for the Rangers. It's just when, when I said those names out loud, it, it kind of made me giggle because that is, that's a, a, a murderer's row of, I hope that guy stays healthy. Yeah, there's just a lot of wish casting built into that. Losing Justin Verlander is is very difficult, right? But like the uh, Astros made the World Series without him two years ago. And, you know, you're talking about Valdez, Javier, McCullers, Urquidy. Yeah, I like that. And when we're talking about this, again, war, it, it's bunched up so closely. So you've got the Mets at uh, in fourth spot with 13.8 projected war, and you have the Red Sox uh, down at 15 with 11.7 projected war. There's not a lot of difference there. This is all just, uh, we're having fun here on the very long table. I'll tell you this much. The Mets rotation, even without Senga, had the best war in 2014. <laughs> I mean, no I, one dominated the American <laughs> League Central in 2014, like Verlander, Scherzer, Carrasco, and Quintana. That is absolutely true. The idea that Verlander and Scherzer are at the top of a rotation in 2023, when they were literally on top of a rotation in the 2012 World Series, is bananas to me. That, <laughs> I mean, I know that they're inner circle Hall of Famers, but. Oh my gosh, it is, it's like, uh, I can't even make a, a compare, it's like Spawn and, I don't know who else, like, you know, Spawn and Nolan Ryan together. It is bananas. All right, let me, I had one more, go- oh, where are the Dodgers in terms of rotation? Where is the Dodgers oh, rotation geez. ranked out of 30 teams? At 15? Close, 14. Yeah. They're behind the Angels. Is you could, Like I said, these are all compressed, whatever, but they're behind the Angels, and I think that should be illegal. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I like some of the things the Angels did this winter. I still think you know, uh, I still would kind of bet against them making the postseason. I mean, like if you look at the Dodgers, like ah oh, man, it's just tough to look at what the Dodgers did this winter and feel like they're going to 
be a real factor in the postseason in 2023. But if the wave of prospects crests in a way that they either, you know, they're at least saying could possibly happen, and, you know, the Millers and the Stones and the Pepios are all, you know, like actual contributors, and Dustin May comes back, and maybe they unlock something with Noah Syndergaard. And you, you know, Tony Gonsolin's perfectly fine. And then you have the top end guys in Kershaw and Arias. Yeah, you know, it can look pretty good. But like, I don't, man, I mean, I might actually pick the dads to win the division. It should be very, very clear that I am not bringing all this up to be like, oh, look at the Dodgers. I do not buy this at all. I do not buy it at, for one second, uh, Noah Syndergaard is going to strike out 13 batters per nine innings. <laughs> like, I just I just don't buy it. I J.D. Martinez is going to hit 40 home runs. I don't know. And, you know, all the Pepeo is going to come up and uh, Diego Cartier is going to come. Like, there's going to be all this. Jason Hayward's going to hit 300 or something. <laughs> right. You know Jason what I mean? Like, Hayward I just, is going to give him a three-win season. Yes. Like, it, I don't buy this at all. I just think it's curious. I just, I think these stats are curious. Um, I, I don't, I don't buy it. But anyways, I think without our uh, Kerrig, he's not the rock. He's more of a, what is he? He's like a, it's like a condiment that you like to have on the side. He's the jet fuel that, that, that keeps, you know, that shoots us into orbit. Jet fuel can't melt uh, podcasts. Come on, that's that's crazy talk. I think I think he's like a chopped onions on the side of uh, a hot dog. Like, man, great. But listen, I'm the bun and you're the meat, pal. I mean, we've said that. <laughs> we've talked about that a lot. Uh, that's yeah. I think that's a good note to end it on, Grant. I think that's a terrible. Let's note get to the end heck on. out of here. All right. So this has been episode 36 of the Roundtable. Uh, we will be back at some point in the future to talk about Carlos Correa on the Rays. We will see you then.